Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Living room logic. Welcome back to another episode of Living Room Logic. But this time we're going to be doing something really cool. We're going to actually talk to Aiden about something he actually knows about. I know. You Thank see... the Lord. <laughs> absolutely. We, we talk so much rubbish so often, but this is the time that, you know, you can actually hold us accountable because we know our stuff. I know. But this time we're talking about Aiden and what Aiden knows. Now, once upon a time, I was thinking to myself, hey, I'd love to start a podcast. Do I know anyone with a gorgeous, luscious voice doing anything <laughs> cool? And well, I knew no one like that. But then I thought of Aiden. And, <laughs> and then I thought of Aiden. Or what Aiden was doing at the time was he was trawling the vast Atlantic doing something. And I wasn't entirely sure yeah. what it was, but I knew it was a really cool hook for oh, marketing. No. So I was like, yes, yes, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. And like, to be fair, in our defense, uh, I, I knew Aiden since I was 16, 17, and uh, we, ma- we made so many mistakes together and we had such a great time doing all of that stuff. Absolutely wonderful time. But in the decades since, uh, we, we've actually started making much more high risk mistakes. Yes. So that's really cool. So Aiden, you were trawling across the Atlantic, fighting the high seas mm. and Arr. collecting jellyfish. Okay, so jellyfish is a term that is used so widely and a lot more incorrectly than you might think. Um, okay. Because jellyfish is a term given to a hugely diverse group of animals. You know, I, I managed to study uh, a good few species in Irish waters, but um, they're this massive group. It's, cool. it's actually called a polyphyletic group, and that's just a sciencey jargon for... Uh-huh. There are species from lots of different, very evolutionarily different groups of gooey animals. And the literally right. the only thing that they need to share is that they have more than 95% of their body mass is water. So okay. that's literally what a what a, a jellyfish is or this broader term that we like to use in our area of research is gelatinous zooplankton. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, so would this be similar to just saying something is a bug? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay, very, cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's bringing in everything that is gooey in the ocean. <laughs> and because a lot of people think, well, jellyfish need to sting. Well, it's actually not yeah. one of the criteria. A lot of jellyfish no sting jellyfish from a group called Scyphozoa, which is actually those kind of the classic jellyfish, you think, with the the umbrella Mm. and the kind of draping tentacles. Mm -hmm. But they're actually just one group. They're kind of the ones that people see uh, most predominantly on beaches, stranded on beaches, or when they're swimming and they freak out and they get stung. So they're the ones that people kind of associate best with or relate most to uh, when they think that they they hear the word jellyfish but you know and before i 
studied them, that's kind of what I thought as well. I would see a compass jellyfish, yeah. for, for instance, or if you're American, it's called a sea nettle, a very similar species. Gorgeous species, has like um, striations like a tiger stripes on it on its umbrella and and some pretty gnarly long tentacles. Um, and it looks quite gorgeous, but also pretty terrifying. But little did I know that m- most of the species are actually really small and they're they're actually microscopic and you don't even see them when you're swimming but when you do look at them under the microscope they're absolutely beautiful and there's all shapes and sizes and jellyfish can basically be several shapes several sizes from microscopic to several meters long that's super super cool and like out of interest just because like you know most people don't actually get to see any jellyfish, you know, and the ones mm. we do see are looking pretty flat on the shore, ninety uh, <laughs> percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. Or we might catch it out of the corner of our eye and immediately swim away. So, like, what are some of the coolest jellyfish that are out there or that you've seen? So there's 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 danger and there's size and there's shape. So I'd say in terms of the most dangerous yeah. jellyfish, I have seen a box jellyfish in South Africa. I was in Cape Town and it was in the oh. bay. And it was pretty big, actually, compared to... They're supposed to be quite a small species, but um, uh-huh. the box jellyfish is one of the most je- uh, venomous jellyfish in the world. And if you get stung by it, you will almost always need some anti-venom or, uh, you know, you better hope that there's some um, medical no medical professionals nearby. Um, wow. So that was pretty amazing seeing one of those, especially when you compare it to Irish jellyfish. They're typically not as venomous. So yeah. we were in Cape Town, me and some of my colleagues at a conference and we we saw this and we were all freaking out and everyone else in at the shoreline was just like, yeah, it's a box jellyfish. <laughs> so no it was, it was quite amazing to see it. But one of the coolest things I've, I've ever seen was when I was out on a survey uh, every summer, I usually go out on a summer survey where we we trek all the way from the coast of France and we survey the entire of Irish waters from France right up to the west coast of Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an area of islands just off the west coast of Scotland called the, um, the Hebrides and there's seawater in between. So we go down there on our way home and it's home to one of the largest jellyfish species in the world, which is called the lion's mane. Yeah. And... Some of these lion's mane jellyfish were so big that there were dolphins swimming in and out of, you know, in between the lion's mane jellyfish and the lion's mane were bigger. And we're talking about the umbrella, like the the top of it, the top part of the jellyfish. Um, And the, the tentacles of the lion's mane can be up to 40 meters long. And they can Whoa. have up to a thousand tentacles. So they're pretty terrifying. What the hell? That sounds Yeah, terrifying. so they're pretty scary. And <laughs> oh my God. But they actually come down the Hebrides and they're a northern species. But by the time they kind of show up in Irish waters, they're actually quite large. And so that's why nearly off the coast of scotland they're they're nearly one meter or two meter long in terms of their bell diameter mm. that that's what we call the distance from one side of the umbrella to the other the bell so that's probably the coolest thing i've ever seen 
That's absolutely outrageous, mm. Aidan. I think we're so, uh, maybe we're just accustomed to teeny tiny little, you know, translucent kind of jellyfish with maybe a little bit of colour in them. Yeah. And you might go, oh, look at that. But it's absolutely freaking me out thinking of massive jellyfish. And uh, that's kind of scary. But one thing I'm kind of curious about, because when I was younger, I felt like I was seeing more jellyfish. Mm. Or maybe that's because I just have a few core memories of absolute fear in the face of seeing a jellyfish next to me in the water. But maybe I just don't go into the ocean as much. So, like, is the um, is the population of jellyfish in Ireland changing or is it changing worldwide? Is it getting more or less? Because I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so... There's actually, it's it's almost one of the largest debates in terms of jellyfish science because, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, come on, why jellyfish are cool, they're interesting, they're beautiful and all that, but why are you studying them? You know, is there actually a proper use to this? Um, For sure, yeah. And, and that was one of the major questions that was asked of jellyfish researchers are they becoming more frequent, especially because we're in a time right now of serious environmental change in the world? So, you know, we've already done a couple episodes on climate change and how the climate's changed in the past. And and right now, the war- Earth is getting warmer. And a lot of people think, well, oh, because jellyfish are such kind of simple animals that they could potentially actually benefit from this uh, an increase mm. in temperature well does that mean that they will be able to expand their ranges and and become more of a problem to yeah, actually, to people cool. in coastal areas causing more stings and hospitalizing more people killing more people in some places in the world and they also cause a lot of jellyfish cause a lot of problems with fish farms they can actually go through fish farms and their tentacles can break up and go into the gills of fish and kill them and so that can be huge economic losses for fish farms we're talking millions of euro just in a single day a swarm of jellyfish will come through a fish cage and kill all the salmon. Next thing you know, that My business is gone. You know, they're done. So that's outrageous. It's, they're re- it's really important to understand their abundance over time and, and how, seasonally how that changes and if it's changing over several years. So one particular place that they've really seen quite a, a scary increase in jellyfish is in the Mediterranean Sea. And the Mediterranean is quite interesting because it's warming at a pretty rapid pace right now. And what you're finding is that you're actually getting more southern species like tropicals and subtropical species expanding their range further north in the Mediterranean Sea. So mm-hmm. that is the first thing that you're seeing. And they're also noticing that some summers they're getting some of the largest uh, hospitalization numbers from jellyfish stings. So uh, one of the reasons they thought was, of course, climate change. And and several pa- papers have definitely shown that there is a strong correlation between climate variability and how much of them show up in, in a, a certain summer. But there's also a lot of other stuff going on in the Mediterranean Sea. One thing is that the Mediterranean Sea is historically been overfished. So overfishing is a thing where mm-hmm. you exploit and take natural fish stocks 
you know, to a to a level where the stocks can collapse. And a lot of stocks in many okay. parts of the Mediterranean have collapsed. And so the increase in jellyfish in some places has been attributed to the fact that there's no fish to compete with the jellyfish. So the jellyfish have more food and they become more abundant because of that. So Okay. And then there's another thing as well is um, pollution. So that's another big thing. And that coastal pollution can actually cause these large phytoplankton blooms. Phytoplankton are just microscopic plants that are the base of the food chain in the ocean. And they feed small crustaceans called zooplankton. Um, crustaceans are like uh, evolutionarily close to crabs and stuff, but they're really tiny shrimp and things like that. But the, mm-hmm. the, one of the major food types is called copepods. That's just another type of zooplankton. And they're a main food item of commercial fish and jellyfish. So jellyfish, because of these larger blooms of uh, phytoplankton, the plants and the small animals, they're f- the jellyfish and the fish is food. There's more fish, but there's also more jellyfish. And the fish are actually being exploited quite heavily and that this just leaves space in the ecosystem for jellyfish to dominate. Okay. And that's kind of been seen in a couple of different places. Quite different jellyfish in, in each scenario, which is quite interesting, but it's not everywhere that this is happening. Yeah, in quick question, just because I'm kind of just trying to uh, contextualize mm. this. What eats jellyfish? So I'm just trying to get an idea of where it is in the food chain to know, like... Well, that's actually yeah. a quite interesting question as well, because we would have always thought in the past, say in the 80s, 90s, that jellyfish were kind of like a, a trophic dead end, that, you know, jellyfish would eat copepods and stuff, and then nothing would eat them, and they would just take energy in the ecosystem away from everything else. But turns out that they are actually right. food to a lot of fish. Um and okay. especially young fish tend to feed on small jellyfish a lot. Some of these microscopic species that I might talk about later right. on. Um, but it's becoming more and more apparent that jellyfish are a lot more important in the ecosystem than we would have previously thought. But when you mm. get blooms of these large jellyfish, although maybe it could be a very natural thing, you do get more things like large kill events yeah. in fish farms. And hospitalizations and people needing medical attention because of stings. So those things are still an issue, even though an increase in jellyfish might be okay. So, yeah, they are eaten by several fish species. Um, So is it kind of like if you're overfishing fish, you're taking away their competition for the same resource? Is that where it's going? Exactly. It is. A lot of the time they think it's because of competition rather than anything else. So that's the fishing um, example. Another place that they're seeing an increase in jellyfish is is in um, the eastern marginal seas in China. And this is crazy because they have this species called the giant jellyfish, Nomuria Nomuria. (laughs) And the the thing is huge. It's even bigger than the lion's mane. And they don't cause uh, too bad of a sting. But what they do is they're so huge and so voluminous that they can actually burst fishing nets. And, and there have actually been cases where fishing nets have capsized because there were just too many jellyfish in a fishing net because the, the, the whole the net was heavier than the, the vessel could, could handle and it flipped the wow. vessel over. So and that's actually been 
reported in the Mediterranean Sea for a different species as well. So these things have been seen and, and they've never been seen before. And I think one thing that I must note is that this is a very regional thing. And and what researchers who've looked at the whole global picture, in science we call this a meta-analysis, it's where you get loads mm-hmm. of papers from all over the world and you bring them all together. What they actually found was that it is really a regional consequence and it's an it's a it, it is regionally specific what species you have is really important to whether they'll they are increasing right now or not and mm-hmm. many things like how is your local pollution in your in this region how is fishing is there heavy overfishing like the example i gave in the mediterranean sea and then lastly is your climate but the the climate can actually work in opposite ways as well because further north or um in polar regions um in the southern hemisphere as well there are jellyfish that prefer colder water so they yeah. are very similar to other species in their ecosystem that you know mm-hmm. you would assume that an arctic species whether it's a jellyfish or a fish that they're actually going to prefer normal natural conditions to what they're adapted to evolutionarily of course so yeah that was actually one thing that i did in my own research um okay yeah so just before i get into that i i think the take home here is that these meta analyses that researchers have done in very recent years have shown that globally there is no increase or decrease right now but okay. that in certain regions, jellyfish are becoming more of a problem because of several things happening synergistically, happening all at the same time, mm. helping jellyfish to become more abundant. It's not a gotcha. global phenomenon. It's a regional phenomenon. And actually, in some regions, yeah. they're decreasing because of something, some other reason. So the the jury's kind of out on whether jellyfish are are increasing it's it's more it's a the answer is it's a lot more complicated and it really depends on where you are in the world coming back to my own research i also found the same thing i did work on jellyfish species on gelatinous zooplankton in irish waters um so where we are we're in european waters western european waters in a part of the world called the northeast atlantic ocean all right it's mm-hmm. temperate the climate is mild and this is the sort of species that we get. We get some species from further south and we get a mix of species from the north as well. And it's a big brewing pot of all these different species. It's kind of like a transition zone. So gotcha. that's really quite interesting for us because we're trying to figure out which who's more predominant, who's more dominant in these years. And so I managed to, to build these two very long term data sets for one for these smaller species that I was telling you about and one for a particular species of larger jellyfish called Pelagia noctiluca. Um, And I'll talk about Pelagia in a sec. But that first one, I got 12 years of data and I went out on the boats myself and got it um, and and looked at every single sample uh, of jellyfish I took under a microscope, counted every single jellyfish in every single sample jar that I took using nets And what we found was that the small jellyfish in Irish waters actually prefer cooler temperatures. 
So you would have thought, again, this kind of plays into a more complicated story in terms of are jellyfish increasing? Are they not? Well, it's actually really complicated and nuanced. There's lots of diversity in species. So these smaller species like cooler water, maybe because uh, one of our ideas was that it's to do with the way that the, the, the water column is structured in the summer. And the water becomes what is known as stratified. That means that there's not a lot of mixing. And when there's not a lot of mixing, there's not a lot of food around. So when it's cooler, there is more mixing and there's more chances for mixing to occur or earlier in the year. And so there's that, that time where the water is very stagnant or stratified is shorter. So that would make sense that there's more food around when it's uh, stratified for, for less time. So that's one of our reasons. But there also could just be that they like cooler temperatures because, uh, you know, our latitude is quite far north. So it would make sense that the species here prefer cooler temperature, much like all of the other species that um, are in Irish waters. So that was quite interesting. And it goes against the idea that jellyfish are increasing because of climate change. And then to make things even more confusing, this species Pelagian octoluca, it's also called the mauve stinger. And it's one of the most kind of problematic jellyfish species in the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's kind of weird that there's a Mediterranean species in Irish waters. But the thing is, they're not spotted every year in Irish waters. So we think they're quite southern. They like kind of warm, temperate uh, water. So. I kind of went out to try and figure out, well, are they becoming more frequent because Irish water is getting hotter? Um, And so I did a very similar thing with a much larger net and a different survey over, I think I ended up getting 11 years of data uh, spanning like 200,000 kilometers squared every year. So an incredible amount of Uh, stations where we threw this net out we counted everything in it including the jellyfish and weirdly enough I actually found that this species although they like warmer water typically or that's what we think they were actually correlated with cooler water again no way but the interesting thing about this this species is that it's an oceanic species Andrew so it comes in from the open Atlantic water and open Atlantic water is cooler typically than water that's by the coast of Ireland. So we kind of linked it to a movement of oceanic open water into Irish coastal water. And we linked it all up. We did substantial statistical modeling that we do not need to get into. Okay. (laughs) Thank God. Um, But, but it, but it, the, the important thing was that it linked the abundance and the currents of this species close to Irish, the Irish coast to wind, cooler temperatures and some of these climate indices, which uh, we don't need to get into, but they're just basically showing that natural climate variability changes wind, which changes the amount of oceanic water that comes in onto the Irish shelf and basically transports more of these species in certain years more than others. But the the crazy thing is that the 11 years that we spotted them, it was the highest 
frequency of annual occurrence of the species of any decade since the 1890s. So there is a chance that they are being transported from open water into Irish coastal waters more in the last decade or so. That's really, really cool. So it's almost that the changing concentrations of where these jellyfish are Mm. is more so to do with the changing... They're kind of following the water that suits them, right? It, it, that's that's kind of what I'm they understanding. They aren't following the water that suits them. They are in the water that suits them. And the water does all of the moving for them. <laughs> okay. Something maybe I should have said very early on is that zooplankton, it just means at the peril of the currents. So okay. that's what zooplankton okay. are. No and way. because jellyfish are gelatinous zooplankton, they are at the peril of the currents. They, they do swim, but not strong enough to be to like a fish can outswim a current but jellyfish can't okay now i'm just kind of wondering for myself Mm. now so you can kind of follow the movement of jellyfish as a prediction of where the water is going so if you're seeing a change in climate that is adjusting the way that water is exactly can you almost say well we're finding some jellyfish in this location that's an indication that water from location x has gotten to location y and that means please finish my sentence <laughs> yes lots of researchers actually use jellyfish as a oceanographic tool oceanography is just the study of the movement and interaction of water bodies so you can use these really okay. cool software called um particle tracking software and if you have say for instance i know where my jellyfish were every year from my survey data if I use satellite data for water movement, oceanographic satellite data, and actually run that backwards, I can figure out where the jellyfish okay. came from. And that's our yeah, and so that's that that is what we're actually hoping to do in the future. And we would put money on, we would bet that it is somewhere off the northwest coast of Ireland. It's a it's a particularly interesting place there, which uh, this thing called upwelling occurs, um, and and it's actually recently oceanographers, uh, people who study the movement of water, found that there is a, a particular current there that moves up onto the Irish Shelf, and it's because of the weirdness of the the way that the the shelf drops off into very deep water there, um, so yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. So, Andrew, that is what I did for my PhD. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. No, because you know what's really interesting about that? that You you tie together very nicely the um, kind of an economic value to following it and following the fish farms. But it's also, that's something Mm -hmm. that would never have occurred to me, that following of since jellyfish go with the flow, they actually tell you about the flow. Yeah. And they're a physical marker you can measure, which you cannot do with particles of water. You know, you might be able to do it on a large scale, Mm -hmm. but at least it'd be... I I suppose you could kind of use this data to calibrate other models that are trying to predict water flow through the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. And and satellite 
can track the movement of water using temperature and sea height and things like these because pressure on the, of the atmosphere changes the sea height in weird ways and that is almost one of the major ways that water moves is because of little little crazy. tiny regional localized changes in sea pressure and so that's <laughs> well that's for a, a, another day <laughs> But I didn't even know that was the thing. That is, we are coming back to that another day. That atmospheric pressure controls sea height to some. Oh my god! Okay, before before we go off on a mad tangent, Aiden, that was super super cool. Let's definitely come back to that another episode. If you want to catch whenever we've (laughs) come back to that cool topic, please drop a follow and follow us on our social. Okay, thank you, Andrew. Everyone, I hope you have a great time. All the best. Bye bye. This is the end of the podcast We hope you enjoyed your time If you're feeling generous And you're not completely skinned Why don't you give us some of your money Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 